Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. In this episode, we are talking about scary, intrusive, distressing, disturbing thoughts that can pop up during pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I invited my friend and colleague, Dr. Alice Pickering, onto the podcast to dive into this really important topic with me. Now, before we dive in, I do want to give you a trigger warning. In this episode, we do not hold back in going there in terms of naming and identifying and describing what some of these scary thoughts and images can look like. And the reason is because we want to bring them out of the shadows and into the light to really demystify this often very painful experience for parents. So in this episode, we are going to be describing why these scary thoughts show up in the first place. We're going to also be diving into what some of these scary thoughts can look like, and we'll be offering tangible tools for what you can do when they show up and offering resources as well. This is a subject that both Dr. Alice and I are so, so passionate about. I'm so glad that you're tuning in to this episode. Let's dive in. listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, mom to three, and I support mamas just like you who want a supported, loving, and arrested postpartum so that you can flourish in that first year with baby. In this podcast, I'm sharing my conversations with perinatal experts from around the world and with parents who've been through it. While I hope that this podcast is supportive to you, it is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed health provider. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Hello, my friend, Dr. Alice. I am so excited to dive in with you today and talk all about a subject that both you and I are really passionate about, and we talk a lot about this experience. And so to bring you and me together to dive in just feels like a dream. So I'm so excited to talk about scary thoughts and how those can show up during pregnancy and postpartum and beyond as a mom and parent. But before we dive into that, how are you doing? And can you share with us a little bit just about you and your background and what you're passionate about? Yes. um, Dr. Cassidy, thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to be here. Um, And yes, I'm thrilled that we're talking about this topic like you said, something that we're both so passionate about. Um, so, oh, just, just so excited to get into this. Um, but a little bit about me. So I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and, um, I work with moms. I'm in private practice and I work with moms during pregnancy and postpartum. Um, and I just help them through that time that can be so, so difficult. Um, and, How I came to do this work is really through just my own experience. I never thought I would see myself working with moms. Um, You know, I was always pretty dead set on forensic psychology, and that's where I 
was convinced, you know, like that's where I'm going to see out the rest of my career. And oh, wow. I didn't um, know that. Yes. Yeah. So I started out in forensic psychology and that was totally my thing. And I mean, I loved every minute of it. Um, but after I had my own baby, it's like everything just, it literally changed. Like, I don't want to sound dramatic or anything, but my whole world just changed overnight. And, um, you know, I went back to work for a period of time and, there were just so many, just so many different things that, you know, I'm not going to get into at this moment, but, um, as a result of just becoming a mom, it really, uh, I had a pivot and a shift in just my career and what I was wanting to do. And, um, my passions shifted and changed. And just through my own experience, I saw how limited, mental health information and access to it was for moms and families during their pregnancy and postpartum. And so, yeah, as a result of that, I really just decided I'm going to use my skills and what I can to, to make somewhat of a difference in this field. And, um, so yeah, I ventured off into private practice and that's kind of where I'm at. And right now I'm I offer teletherapy sessions and yeah, it's been quite the journey to get here. Um, but I, I wouldn't change it for, for anything. And you are also, um, a mom to a baby. We had, uh, we had babies on the exact same day. Like our, yes, <laughs> our, my third and your second were literally born on the same day, which is so wild because you were a little bit she came a little bit late like past the 40 week mark and then my uh, my June came a couple weeks before <laughs> the 40 week mark and I, we were like texting like leading up to it like kind of check in checking in with each other yeah and then lo and behold it was like an announcement and I was like um me too <laughs> and that was it was so fun and this has been such a crazy year um it's, you know, with the pandemic to have a baby. Oh my gosh. I know. And, and you and I uh, both talk a lot on um, our social media accounts and, you know, with, with the clients that we work with about the experience of scary thoughts and, mm-hmm. um, and anxiety, you know, as a newish mom, although it can pop up during pregnancy and postpartum, but also beyond, beyond that first year. And so I'm so excited to talk to you about this and for us to just kind of have a conversation about this experience to kind of shed a light on something that I think a lot of moms, a lot of parents, because dads, partners, the non-birthing partner can experience it too. Mm -hmm. Um, There can be a lot of shame around it and a lot of uh, fear um, just about the thoughts themselves, kind of this like meta, meta anxiety, anxiety about the things that you're worrying about. And totally, why why am I worrying about these things? What's wrong with me? Um, And so let's, let's dive in and I'm going to give you the floor here first. Like maybe talk to us a little bit about just the experience of scary thoughts and why these show up in the first place and why someone who's in that peripartum stage of life, or once you become a parent, why are you more at risk for these scary thoughts? Yeah. So essentially, so scary thoughts, right? Um, 
obviously in the, in the world of psychology, they're more termed like intrusive thoughts or obsessive thoughts, but they're basically these images or ideas, um, sometimes even impulses that they just pop into our minds at these random, unpredictable times. They're unwanted. They feel so uncomfortable. Um, and sometimes they just feel so real. And so they can be so terrifying because they're so unlike us or they're so uncharacteristic of the thoughts that we want to have or the thoughts that we normally have. Um, you know, they're so foreign to us, but they literally just pop into our minds. We can't control them. They come at any time of the day, you know, um, and that's, that's why they're called intrusive thoughts, um, or obsessive thoughts, scary thoughts, right? All of these are kind of interchangeable, but, um, they're, they're common or they happen to just about every single new parent. Um, mm -hmm. there is some, t there are statistics out there that it's about 90%. Um, mm -hmm. but we know sometimes this is generally higher and, um, they're this common experience during pregnancy and postpartum. It's a time where, you know, our anxiety levels increase. Um, and obviously, you know, you and I both have talked about so much about anxiety and sometimes, um, you know, you're in the season of life where you're a little more sleep deprived. Uh, you're learning all of these new things. There are these new stressors that are coming up. And sometimes our brain is just trying to make sense of everything that's happening so quickly. And, you know, now we have this life in front of us that we're trying to protect and um, care for. And our brain is going through so many different changes and so many different stressors in such a short amount of time. Um, in addition to, you know, those hormones changing. And so you kind of have this like concoction of everything coming together. And sometimes that happens to be intrusive thoughts that come to the surface. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, oh my gosh. And it can be something like you said, that's so unexpected and it can be really disturbing and distressing, right? And, um, you know, like I love that you mentioned here, just like all the things that are kind of happening at once and how our brain is trying to make sense of mm -hmm. all of these new experiences, all these new things that we're learning, but also just this brand new level of vulnerability. You know, yes. when you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, it makes a lot of sense. You know, our ancestors, you know, they had, they were, they were, they didn't have as many safety sort of structures that we have now. We have homes with locks and, um, you know, they were, there was a lot of dangers to be aware of, you know, our, our, totally. our ancestors way back in the day. And the, our ancestors that survived were the ones who were most hyper vigilant, right? In yes. order to keep themselves and their young, their vulnerable young safe. And that was passed down as a protective fact feature, you know? Totally. And, so there's been, like you mentioned, there's been research studies. I think it was the Yale Child Study Center um, where they looked at the experience of, um, you know, a couple weeks before um, a baby was born and they looked at both partners 
And they found that there was absolutely an increase in sort of what they call it almost like uh, like the, uh, the, the OC transient brain. It's almost like your brain starts to like look like somebody who has diagnosable OCD. And this is for mm-hmm. folks who have never been diagnosed with OCD before. But all of a sudden, their brain is firing in ways that is leading to an increase in anxiety. And yes. sometimes, you know, you can be now this day and age, not that there aren't obviously dangerous, you know, still in our modern day, but you could be at home, safe. The doors are locked. Nothing bad is happening. There's no threats around you. But your brain is just doing its job of trying to keep you and your baby safe. But it's doing, it's firing off in ways that's giving you these really scary images, these potential things that could potentially happen, um, but also scary, distressing thoughts that you could do, right? It's not always just an outside threat. There can also be really disturbing thoughts about, gosh, like, you know, sexual thoughts and, and it pops into your head about your baby maybe. And it's just like, whoa, what was that? And there can that's sort of where then shame can pop in and say, mm-hmm. wow, that's, that's really weird. That's really disturbing. Why would you even have that thought? And you're disturbed by it, which is a good sign, right? Like if somebody's right. not disturbed by these thoughts, that can be a signal of something yeah, that else. That could be problematic for sure. Yeah, like mm-hmm. postpartum psychosis or something like that. Um, but typically in these situations – you're, it's very disturbing. Um, and then the shame, though, can keep somebody from, you know, bringing these parts of them, themselves, these scary thoughts out of the shadows and into the light to get support around it. Right. Um, but yeah, but it really does make sense from that evolutionary perspective that you're going into this really sort of vulnerable chapter of your life and becoming a parent. All of a sudden, there's like this extension of you. Mm-hmm. And I feel so fragile and it's so brand new and our brains are incredible, right? Like our brains are the birthplace for so many amazing ideas and inventions, yes. but all that creativity <laughs> can also <laughs> create these really distressing scenarios and images and thoughts. And, oh my gosh, it can be so distressing. Um, Is this something that you actually found yourself experiencing during any of your sort of peripartum seasons of life? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm so glad that you asked. So absolutely, without a doubt, with my first baby, um, and this is, this is one of those things that I'm like, oh my gosh, like this needs to be talked about. People need to know about this. Um, I was absolutely an individual who was blindsided by this entire experience. Um, and I, I absolutely experienced intrusive thoughts with my first baby, um, a little bit here and there after my second, but not as, um, extensive and as, you know, in your face, as it was with my first, um, gosh, I remember in, so I, I totally feel comfortable sharing this. I've shared it before, but I remember, um, one of my intrusive thoughts was around, uh, and I, like, I even just talking about it and saying it out loud, you know, is so hard, but I remember one of the intrusive thoughts that I experienced was, um, just wanting to throw my baby 
against the room at the wall, you know? And it's like, I just remember when that first happened, I'm like, oh my gosh, like who, who thinks this? Why am I thinking this? What is wrong with me? Right. And it, it leads, like you said, to this shame spiral and this just so much guilt that you then maybe try to attach some meaning to that where it's like, well, do I want to do this? Do I actually want to harm my baby? Am I a threat to my child? Right. And, oh, it's such a vicious cycle. Um, but I absolutely had, um, several, several intrusive thoughts with my first, um, and they were, they were awful and I didn't talk about them. I kept them to myself for quite a while until one day I told my husband about them and he's like, oh my gosh, like I've experienced some of these things too. And he was quiet about it too. You know, like we both kind of just kept that to ourselves. And when we came together and talked about it, he's like, yeah, I've had, you know, I've experienced these intrusive thoughts about like car accidents happening and, um, you know, and sometimes they're just so extreme and you're like, oh my goodness, like, why is my brain doing this? I don't, want any of this to happen. And I don't feel like I'm going to hurt my baby. I would never in a million years subject my child to harm in any way, shape or form, you know? And so, uh, they're just so, yeah, I absolutely experienced them. Um, they're awful. (laughs) And so I totally understand how, you know, someone can feel so much shame and guilt around that. And, and not want to talk about it because I mean, let's be real. That's not, you know, you have this idea and this image of what you think postpartum is going to be like, and you know, it's cuddles and snuggles and, and, and yes, like it can be all those things, but then we, we often forget to shed light on some of the not so pretty aspects of postpartum. And, um, I think intrusive thoughts or scary thoughts is, a part of that not so pretty side of things that people really keep to themselves and, and are very quiet about and yeah. uh, just so much shame around it. Oh my gosh. And I, I am so grateful for your willingness to embrace the vulnerability that it takes to share that because I just can, I'm just imagining and thinking of the mom or the parent who's listening right now and is 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 having the thought and speaking of thoughts having the thought themselves like well I thought I was the only one you know like mm-hmm. because I, I've had so many times where there's been a client sitting in my office and sharing um, thoughts that they had you know like I like for some reason couldn't stop picturing myself you know grabbing the knife and like because I was mm-hmm. in the kitchen cutting something like grabbing the knife and like dropping it on my baby or stabbing my baby and. Oh my yes. gosh, you know, or like throwing my baby off the balcony or dropping my baby in the ocean or gosh, there's and or having a sexual thought about my baby. Um yes. as oh my I was changing their diaper, you know? Um mm-hmm. and and it sh- and then when they share it and they and they just they break down and there's this feeling and this fear of like I was I was so scared to say this and to tell you because I thought that somebody would take my baby away from me if I if I shared this. And you know, gosh, it it keeps so many people from naming it um and then getting the support that they need. And and we know that actually 
bringing these things out of the shadows, right? And like name and and being able to share it with somebody and have it be named as this is a scary intrusive thought um, mm-hmm. that can be can, can be sometimes connected to something like OCD, which we can talk about in a second, but also mm-hmm. can show up outside of a diagnosable mental health condition or um, disorder. It is this is how common it is. You're not alone. Right. Right. And there are ways that we can support you in developing a new relationship with this part of you that is just on overdrive, trying to keep you safe, actually, by showing you all of these worst case, awful scenarios. Right. It's just misfiring. You know, it's trying to keep you safe, but it's obviously. Not causing distress it, and it's yes, um, and to and and just to see the the relief, um, and and people will just crumble in tears, and and I, I've been there too, right? Because I know with my first, I mean, gosh, there was a period of time where it really was impacting my functioning, um, and because mm-hmm. we lived in um, like a little townhouse, and we were on the second story. Um, and to, you know, we'd have to go down the stairs to get to the car. Right. I could not leave the house without picturing myself dropping her, like just on her head as she was a baby. And like, I had a very, um, graphic image of what that would look like, you know, like that would come into my mind and, and it actually would lead me to, if my husband wasn't there, like to carry her down the stairs, like I wouldn't want to leave. Um, mm-hmm. and that, like, fortunately that didn't last too long because gosh, I felt like I was in a like twilight zone, just in at the house all the time, like never like, right. outdoors and going for walks. Um, <laughs> but it, it was, it, it, and it was, it was very disturbing and distressing. And I, I think that what I'd love to kind of dive into with you next is kind of being able to kind of tease apart when is this just something that is very common, like you said, like the 90% like mm-hmm. of are going to potentially experience this during pregnancy, especially towards maybe the end of pregnancy and then postpartum. Mm-hmm. And when does it start to slip into maybe this is a symptom of something else? Symptom being key, right? If it's a symptom, this isn't you. This is a symptom of something. Um but when it might be, when might it be a symptom of something else? Like, what are some of those indicators? Hey there, Dr. Cassidy, popping in with a quick message for those of you who are already postpartum in the thick of it. If you have a baby age zero to twelve months, head to the link in the show notes to learn more about Flourish in the first year. This is my e-course that I developed with a board-certified OB/GYN, and included in that course is an anxiety toolkit video lesson where I walk you through all of my most potent anxiety tools to support you in developing a new relationship with anxiety so you can move through some of those really distressing symptoms of anxiety like scary thoughts. Head to the link in the show notes to learn more. Yeah, so um, the thing with intrusive thoughts too is they can be a symptom of anxiety, of depression, and then we also know OCD, right? Um, And so, yeah, and so many of these different, um, you know, clinical 
diagnoses that can come into the picture during pregnancy or postpartum, um, it can accompany all of those things. And I think when I, when I look and talk about intrusive thoughts, I, one thing that I want to make clear is that, um, it's not the thought itself. That's the problem, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, and I, I like to emphasize that. So it, it doesn't matter what that specific thought is or what's coming to your mind or what you're thinking, the thing that we're looking at when we're looking at something more in the clinical realm and maybe warrants some type of diagnosis is how it's impacting you and your ability to function and your ability to go on with your day to day and to what extent and to what length, in addition to maybe what other types of symptoms may be present. Um, Right. And so we wouldn't just take intrusive thoughts on their own and say, yep, there's there's something wrong here. There's you know, this is not okay." Um, We want to look at the bigger picture and that's going to that's going to be different for everybody. Right. Like the level of tolerance that every individual has to, um, you know, uh, cope with various stressors. That's going to look differently for everyone. but when we're looking at something like maybe OCD, right? So mm-hmm. maybe we can go down that route. We know that with OCD, the intrusive thoughts are pretty prominent. But what makes OCD OCD is that there are then um, these what we call compulsions, right? Like the the need to do something to alleviate this thought. Mm-hmm. Um And so then there's these behaviors, whether that's avoiding, right? You have an intrusive thoughts and now you're suddenly avoiding certain things. Like, you know, you have an intrusive thought that maybe your baby drowns in the bathtub and now you're avoiding giving your baby a bath or you let somebody else do that. Um, But you find maybe you're missing out on that experience with your baby because you don't feel comfortable doing that. And so now you're avoiding Or, um, you know, maybe you feel the need to, uh, an intrusive thought, maybe around contamination and um, bottles, right? And so now you're spending hours in a day just washing bottles or sterilizing bottles, and that's time consuming. That's taking up your time, Um, right? This beyond it's beyond just the like, yeah, like we we clean the bottles and right. Realize it, but it's like there is, um, it's 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 so much. It's so much that it's taking away from. It's going beyond what is um, right. Like what's like okay. Now it's been cleaned, and now it's clean. Like it's right. Maybe other rituals sort of around it, and yes, um, the the obsession and the fear of contamination leads mm-hmm. to behaviors and responses that definitely, yes, impact functioning. Um, and it's, it's beyond just cleaning, right? Yes. Yeah. And in addition to, um, you know, maybe some of those rituals, it's also the kind of internal response that comes up too, where there's just so much distress around having these thoughts, you know, Mm. that it, it really is dysregulating in some way. Um, where, uh, you know, you're, you're maybe experiencing even some panic attacks at the thought of having these thoughts or, right. Mm -hmm. It it kind of starts to become this all consuming experience. Um, 
And when that happens, that's when we want to to really see, okay, what is what is going on here? Are we looking at OCD um, or maybe even some other symptoms? Um, you know, are, are we looking at depression? Are there, um, you know, is there a loss of interest in things that were previously enjoyed? Um, is there anger and rage? Is there, you know, what are some of these other symptoms that are accompanying intrusive mm-hmm. thoughts? Um you know, and, and, and how long is this going on? How long has this been happening? Has it, is, has it just happened maybe a few days? Like, okay, maybe it, there's just an adjustment period here, or, you know, has it, it's been three or four weeks and maybe now we're going on three months and I'm still feeling this way. Right. So, uh, I find that generally individuals who experience intrusive thoughts, um, and maybe it isn't a sign of like OCD or something are individuals who can easily just let those thoughts go. So, you know, they, they come to mind and you kind of, you're like, okay, this is terrifying. I can't believe this is happening or I can't believe I thought that, but then you're able to kind of resume your day-to-day activities and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, there is a, you don't really place much emphasis on that thought. Um, but it really kind of starts to go into a more clinical focus when, when we're looking at these additional symptoms that are accompanying it and also really just how it's impacting your day-to-day functioning. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is, you know, for those who are listening and they're trying to kind of maybe tease apart this for themselves, if they're tuning in, it's, I'm assuming that there's some part of them that resonates with the idea of having scary thoughts um, as a parent. And as they're listening, what, what Dr. Alice here is, is, is kind of honing in on is looking at how these thoughts impact your functioning and your just sort of day-to-day being able to move through your day. And also, are there other symptoms that are accompanying those scary thoughts? And so you mentioned depression. Some of those other symptoms might look like hopelessness, loss of interest, and and things that used to interest you. Um, Changes in appetite. There can also be physical symptoms, stomach aches, headaches, and just Mm -hmm. this sort of heaviness. Sleep is impacted beyond just the fact that beyond the other all the other normal ways in which sleep is impacted in post right, um, and there can also be sort of thoughts of like, you know, maybe my family would be better off without me. You know, mm-hmm. um, yes. suicidal ideations or escape escapism, right? Like um, mm-hmm. thoughts of wanting to escape. And then with OCD, some of those other symptoms might look like the compulsions that follow the obsessions. Um, And what these compulsions do is they give a sense of control. When you feel like you can't control your brain, well, what I can control is how is by are these rituals that I have or counting? Um, Or for instance, I had um, I had somebody that I knew who. They had, um, they did have a postpartum OCD and they were having these sort of intrusive sexual thoughts about their baby when they were changing their baby's diaper. And so they would um, double diaper their baby. So they would put two Mm -hmm. diapers on the baby just Mm -hmm. because that that ritual of double diapering felt like extra protection. Um, And I think it's super important to note that um, with OCD, it's also very distressing to you. You're disturbed by these thoughts, right? Yes, yes. And in situations where someone's not disturbed um, by these thoughts, that might be something 
um, connected to, say, postpartum psychosis, which is very rare but very serious mm-hmm. um, mental health condition um, postpartum, um, where these these thoughts are popping up and there's the, the individual is not disturbed by them, right? Um, right, or they're not even aware of them. Right, mm-hmm. right, 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 exactly. Um, and then there's also PTSD. You know, uh, there's a lot of things around carrying a baby and birthing a baby um, that can be traumatic um, or there can be a history of trauma. And so sometimes there can be sort of these intrusive sort of re-experiencing, right? Yes, more like flashbacks to certain events or um, certain experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And so for anyone who's listening and you're like, okay, this is definitely impacting my daily functioning and you can identify maybe some of these other symptoms that might be coming along with it, that could be an important indicator to take a step to get more support. And so I will be sure to include links of um, where people can go to take those steps to get support, um, specifically Postpartum Support International, which has a great directory. I'll make I'll make sure to include a link to that here. Yes. Um, but for those who are tuning in and they're like, okay, well, I, I don't I don't think that it's one of these others or, or maybe it is and I'm going to take a step to get support, but I still would like to learn more about how I can develop a new relationship with my anxiety or with this part of me that is popping in these intrusive, distressing thoughts, um, you know, daily or I'm, they're showing up and I'd like, I'd like to not necessarily have them show up and feel so disturbed by them and have them. <laughs> you know, just get the hook me into like really worrying about these things or that sort of shame spiral. And so Dr. Alice, what, Mm -hmm. what are some ways in which people can begin to take steps to develop a new relationship with this part of their brain that is, you know, firing off these scary intrusive thoughts? Yeah, I think, gosh, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, even just what you and I are doing here is just talking about it. Um, really getting it out there with someone you trust, you know, obviously I don't recommend like you just go share to the whole world what it is that you're experiencing, you know, um, but with somebody that you trust and feel comfortable with, um, really talking about these things, I think is such a big step in, um, you know, developing some acceptance around the experience. Um, and, uh, so when, when it kind of comes to coping, um, I don't know if this is kind of the direction you were headed in, but uh, I wanted yeah. to, to just talk about coping a little bit. I like to look at coping in um, kind of two categories. So I like to look at them as proactive, you know, things that you're doing beforehand to kind of help mitigate uh certain experiences like intrusive thoughts, um, and then active strategies. So things that you can do more in the moment as you're experiencing intrusive thoughts. And so I like to break up coping skills into these two ways, more proactive and active strategies. And your proactive strategies are going to be things like, um, you know, engaging in self-care, um, getting that support that you need from other individuals, whether it's emotional support or, you know, practical support, if that's available, um, you know, or maybe 
uh, like your partner watches the baby for a little bit so you can get some sleep, um, you know, mm. and you're, you're kind of sleep is such an important thing. We know, we know it is. And sometimes it's so hard to come by, but this is all part of those proactive strategies, right? Maybe getting out of the house a little bit and getting some sunshine and just feeling the warmth on your skin, right? These different things that kind of make you feel human again after you've gone through mm-hmm. such a big life event. Mm-hmm. Um, these are going to be your proactive strategies. And the more that you can do these things, the more you'll be able to cope with or um, tolerate some of those distressing thoughts if they come up. Um, and then some of those active strategies in the moment um, included. So I actually, in in just kind of researching and doing all these things around this topic, I came up with, with my own acronym on, um, you know, kind of this idea of sitting with your thoughts. Um, Mm -hmm. so really kind of just becoming an observer, an observer of your thoughts without trying to place some type of meaning to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I came up with this acronym, it's called BRAVES. And so I like to, you know, recommend that it's like practice being brave. So, you know, when you're having an intrusive thought and that's coming up for you, um, practice being brave. And brave includes breathing, releasing, attending and visualizing, embrace and accept, and then practicing Mm -hmm. self-compassion. So these are kind of the areas that I've broken it down into. And so really when that intrusive thought comes up, you know, taking those deep breaths, um, allowing your mind and your body to accurately scan and process a threat, right? Like is, you know, is this intrusive thought, like, is there a real threat here? And oftentimes there is not a real threat, right? Right. And, and so breathing kind of gives us that space in the moment to accurately analyze that circumstance. Um, Releasing. I like to focus on, you know, just releasing any type of judgment that you're casting on yourself for experiencing the thoughts or the images. Um, They don't define you. They say nothing about your love for your baby, um, you know, or how great of a parent you are or not. Right. So just releasing Mm -hmm. some of those expectations and that judgment that comes up. Um, And then attending and visualizing, right? So giving yourself the opportunity to observe or visualize that thought. This comes from the idea that, um, you know, obviously when we have an intrusive thought, we want to do anything and everything that we can to get rid of it. Um, You know, but sometimes that doesn't, that's not helpful, right? The more we try to push certain things aside, the louder they become or the more. Like I I will usually do this with a client, you know, when when I'm Mm -hmm. kind of talking on this, I'll say, let's practice an exercise. Let's do an exercise right now. I want you right now to think about anything except for a pink elephant. Like anything that you possibly can, but just do not think about a pink elephant because the pink elephant is big and scary. So do not think about the pink elephant, anything else besides the pink elephant. Right. What are you thinking about? Like the pink (laughs) pink elephant. 
the more and more I'm trying to like push this pink elephant out of my brain, the bigger and pinker it gets. Yes. And that is the same with scary thoughts, right? The more we try to tuck them away, to not think about them, to push them aside, to swap it out with a different type of thought, right? Sometimes the louder those thoughts get and it makes to the point where you're just like, Oh my gosh, I'm trying all of these things and I'm trying to do thought stopping, but that's not working. Right. When it comes to intrusive thoughts, sometimes trying to push them out of our minds instead of just attending to and visualizing that thought and kind of letting it run its course. Um, you know, trying to do those techniques or pushing it away is maybe one of the the least effective things you can do in that moment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then embrace and accept to kind of um, finish out the acronym here is that, you know, know and, and allow yourself to know that these thoughts may happen again. And when they do, guess what? You're going to welcome them and recognize that they don't define you. They're not a part of who you are. They're not something that you're wanting to carry out or to see happen. Um, and really just kind of then generating that self-compassion around it. Like these thoughts don't define you. Many parents experience this. Um, you know, the intrusive thoughts themselves are a common experience around new parenting. Oh my gosh, I love this. I don't know if you call it an acronym, mnemonic. I always I always oh, yeah. mixed up. But I love I'm that. like, what is it? Is it an acronym or a mnemonic? I don't know, right? I get I those know. mixed I think up I too. It the other day because I was sharing one and I think, I think it's a mnemonic, but I'm okay. I think we all know. We all know that these are very challenging to decipher. So right. I I go, I love this and I want to kind of like bring it home and kind of like substantiate how important each of these steps that you just laid out are. Mm -hmm. So this first one, if I got it right, is B for breathe. And I think a lot of people will hear that and they're like, okay, another therapist telling me to take a deep breath. Like, like this is not going to like, whatever. No, it's not helpful. But actually, actually Uh breath is one of our most powerful tools. I have a whole podcast episode called How to Breathe but with a breath work person. Um, because the thing is with breath is we're always doing it, right? We're always breathing. Mm-hmm. And, and the way in which we are breathing, where the breath travels into our body, the um, how fast it's going, like all of these things actually are connected and tied into our like inner like wiring stress responses right yes so if my if I'm having scary thoughts my stress response is probably revved up like there's totally I'm in my body is like dialed up and is in that sort of hyper vigilant space right the the Mm -hmm. same space that my ancestors who you know from an evolutionary perspective got passed down to me that hyper vigilance because they needed to be on high Mm -hmm. alert all the time um that that's revved up and if i breathe a certain way which is 
a deep inhale and then an exhale that actually is longer than the inhale and maybe even throwing in some sort of vibration in that. So like a shushing sound or some mm-hmm. sort of or some sort of shh. Like that's why the shushing breath is so – I, I love that one because it usually – calms the baby too, right? That sort of white noise. <laughs> yes. This sort of deep inhale, and then we extend the exhale. And I just kind of yes. like, and even doing that, like let my shoulders drop and mm-hmm. really push that exhale a little bit longer. Um, what that actually does is it actually can trigger this little bundle of nerves that actually signals to our brain oh, we're breathing in this way that, you know, we wouldn't be doing if we were trying to run from a tiger. Exactly. Right. Let's, maybe we can turn down the dial on this response and turn up the parasympathetic, which is one that's actually going to allow us to slow things down, release that kind of like tunnel vision, hypervigilance, become more aware of our surroundings, right? It kind of expands our awareness Mm -hmm. and kind of settle into it. And when we do that, we can ground in the here and now, which allows us to take um, stock of like the potential threats around us. Are is this something that I need to be worrying about right now? Is there yes. a threat? Mm-hmm. And if there's not, what I love about your um, mnemonic acronym is that then we can turn to this part of ourself, sort of embracing it. And I always, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really big on externalizing and like a, really understanding these parts of ourselves as parts, right. And kind of visualizing this part of me. Like I know that my anxiety, this part of me that worries is actually a a much younger version of me that was always kind of worrying about things and on edge. And I guess when I, when I picture her, this little part of me, like throwing all these scary potential thoughts now at me, like in this new experience of being, becoming a mother and wanting to take Mm -hmm. care of my, 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 my little children, my babies, I want to scoop her up. And I just want to like tell her, that she's okay and we're okay and we are enough and like this is actually something that is really understandable um, that she's worrying about because this is so important to her. Like I want to keep my babies safe um, and I want to be a good mom and I want to protect them and I want to be – I want to stick around. I don't want to die. Like, you know, like – right. I understand these fears and when I can show this part of myself through embracing instead of trying to like shut her down, which is just going to lead her to get louder because she's going to feel like I'm not listening to her. This right. Morning. Like hear me out. Um, yeah, right. Um, and yeah, but I can, it, I have so much more compassion for this part of myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so much easier to embrace this part of myself as a really understandable part of um, this season of life, but not a part that I necessarily want to jump in the driver's seat. And so Uh doing the breath, creating that pause, creating a margin between that sort of whatever the trigger was um, and then what, what we then believe or get hooked by or respond with, like being able to create a moment of pause and space to stay yes. in the driver's seat, to take stock of 
my surroundings to kind of ground myself in that moment. Um, and then, yeah, if I can identify a really someone who can hold space for me and it feels safe to share these these parts of me that might feel shameful, right, or scary. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I mean, that is just being able to name those things actually has a regulating effect on our brain and gives those parts of us less sort of power because we're talking about it, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes, I know. Oh, I love it. Um, And I love, again, I just love that we're talking about this and really just normalizing so much of the experience, um, you know, that comes around scary thoughts. because yeah. gosh, they like they are so scary. They really, really are. Mm, I know they can be so disturbing. And I had them um, my first time, the second time, and then this third time they popped up. And you know, with this with this third one, I've really honed in on <laughs> my specialty and uh, yes. supporting postpartum moms and dads and parents and partners. And you know, I've done the work in um, creating the prepared postpartum course to really look at like, what are all uh-huh. of the factors we can put in place from both the perspective of myself as a therapist and with my um, partner there, the OBGYN that I do that course with to like, what are all the pieces we can put in place to support parents so they can be prepared for all the things that come up, this being included. And uh-huh. I, I think that doing the work to really pull all the pieces together into kind of like a step-by-step roadmap of preparation right? really helped with this third one because, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I, I know this work now in and out. And then mm-hmm. when they popped up, I was so, so much more empowered to embrace these parts of myself to understand why they were popping up and because it's it was it was the same I get a lot of images around driving and around dropping yes Um, when those popped up I knew exactly what to do so that they were still there like this part of me is coming along for the journey of parenthood because it's signaling to me that safety is something that I really value and security yes yeah, it's something you care about. About mm-hmm. so it's gonna come along for the journey, but it doesn't have to consume my life, take up all the space, impact my day to day life, and it doesn't get to jump in the driver's seat. You know, it definitely doesn't get to decide what music we're gonna listen to. Um, oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> like to turn on that shark music, you know, that just like makes everything feel like dangerous. Dun 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 dun. dun. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I I got that from Dr. Dan Siegel. Um, he's oh, he's that's so great. <laughs> he he talks about it in parenting. You know, um, turning on the shark music. But um, yeah. So I I don't let my anxiety do that. You know, um, and it still pops up. It's a part of me, but it doesn't uh-huh. get to jump. Um, yes, and, you, and you, empowering. totally. And you, you know, you implement some of those skills and techniques and, um, you know, maybe whoever is listening to this podcast, you're, you know, you're thinking, well, I, I, 
I, I can't do that on my own. It's okay to get some extra support around, um, you know, scary and intrusive thoughts. And so, you know, maybe that looks like seeing a therapist. That's okay. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, give yourself that support that you need. Um, and there's no shame. There's no shame in that. Um, one thing I wanted to, to mention, um, when you know Cassidy when you said you kind of noticed that your thoughts are around like accidents happening Mm -hmm. um there's actually there's a research article I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh Jonathan Abramowitz but he's uh, like a leading researcher in OCD and uh, kind of around this topic um but he identified seven common themes of obsessional thoughts or scary thoughts. And so I just want to note those here. Please. Yeah. Um, so the seven, the seven that they, he came across were thoughts of suffocation. Mm-hmm. Um, so this includes things like the baby drowning or, you know, the baby dying, uh, in their sleep or something like that, like suffocating in their sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you have then thoughts of accidents. So a, a really any type of accident happening, like dropping the baby down the stairs or a car accident, or, um, a, a, you know, maybe your neighbor's dog attacking your baby or something like that. Um, and then you have unwanted ideas of intentional harm. And so these are things like, this is the one I experienced, like throwing my baby at a wall. You know, um, this unwanted idea of doing harm. Um, so, and then the fourth one is thoughts of losing the baby. Um, so maybe like forgetting your baby at the park, like you, you have this thought that if you go to the park, you're just going to forget your baby or, um, you know, maybe you forget your baby in a shopping cart, right? So this idea of losing the baby. Um, and then you have thoughts of illness. Uh, so maybe being convinced that there is something wrong with your baby, um, despite, you know, medical, uh, reasoning saying like, no, your, your baby's healthy. There's nothing here. Um, and then I think especially this past year with the pandemic, I think that everybody mm, just feels more caution, um, kind of no kidding. Uh, contamination, right? So, yeah. mm-hmm. yes, yep. Contamination is yes. So, um, yeah, thoughts about germs, like in the baby's bottle or on people's clothing, um, right? And then, and then the other category is the unacceptable sexual thoughts. So, mm-hmm. you know, thoughts around maybe the baby's genitalia and and, and that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, there are these these common themes when it comes to to obsessive thoughts. Mm. I, what I want to do right now, just as our listeners are are tuning in, is, you know, it's I I want to anyone who's listening, like just notice your body right now. Like Dr. Alice mm-hmm. just got done, kind of naming some really scary things that could happen, disturbing things that could happen, and even just right now, as someone's listening, I wonder if they could kind of tune in to where that's showing up in their body. You know, I know that. For me, it kind of shows up in my stomach. My shoulders kind of tense up. Um, some people can feel it in their chest or their head, extremities. Um, and just to kind of notice where that popped up and kind of imagining that that part of you is where this part of you kind of lives, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And 
you know, we could definitely, there's definitely space there to kind of take time to imagine what this part of you looks like, what this part of you wants to say, what it's scared of. Um, But just for the sake of what we're doing here, I wonder if anyone who's listening, after just kind of noticing where that kind of resides in your body, if you could even just put your hand, you know, just right over that. So like right now, I'm just putting my hand kind of on my stomach. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it kind of high up on my chest and just sort of holding this part of you right there, right? And holding this part of you in a way that embraces that this part of you is there and you understand that this is a part of you that's just trying to keep you safe. Um, But maybe even sort of acknowledging your surroundings right now and where you are and what's happening. And my hope is that you are safe right now and kind of with while holding yourself and having your arms, your hands, I should say, kind of holding these parts of you, just kind of giving that part of you a little reminder that you're safe and your little ones are safe right now. Um, just because yeah. I think that following, following this episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Feel triggered. And I, I really want to encourage the listeners to following this episode, if you're like, gosh, this is really something I'm struggling with and um, to take that step to get support. And I'll be sure to include links to resources in the show notes here, as I've mentioned. But speaking of resources, um, Dr. Alice, what are some resources or books or anything that you have found really helpful um, or and you because you're an amazing resource. I know that you talked about (laughs) a lot too. So um, please mention your, yourself in there and where people can find you. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, I'm currently going through some, <laughs> we've talked about this, but some rebranding. So mm-hmm. um, you can find me at, at this time though, on Instagram. Um, my handle is at Dr. Alice PsyD. Um, so yes, find me there on Instagram. Um, and I actually, I offered a a webinar on this topic specifically. It's not something that I currently have right now, but um, I'm I'm working to offer it again. And so, you know, if you follow me, uh, you'll you'll be aware of when whenever that's coming up again. Um, but I also one of the books that I've found so helpful on this topic is um, one by Karen Kleiman and her colleagues, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, dropping the baby and other scary thoughts. And so I find that book just so helpful. Um, And they talk about so many different things in that book as well. So if, you know, it's definitely very informative. (laughs) So I don't don't know how, uh, you know, exciting it is to read that book by any means, but, um, it can provide some useful information. Um, you know, even if you kind of skim through it a little bit, but, um, yeah. And, and even support groups, I just, um, you know, recommend support groups. I run a support group. Um, you know, I know postpartum support international has a lot of free support groups. And so, Uh, just so many different types of resources out there in terms of just getting connected with other individuals to, to realize that you're not alone in this experience. Oh, I think that, you know, that getting those 
being in a support group has mm-hmm. so much power in it because you are able to, in that space, witness other people's experiences and, and yeah, to see that you're not alone. Um, mm-hmm. so I will be sure to include links to all of these resources mentioned in the show notes for anyone's listening. I'll also include a link to a podcast episode I did on our mutual friend, Erica from Happy as a Mother, mm-hmm. her podcast. She had mm-hmm. me on to talk about scary thoughts too. And, you know, I think that sometimes it's just helpful to hear these things in a different way, in a different format, in a different structure, right? Just to, and to hear Erica's thoughts on this, um, just so that whoever's listening knows um, that this is a real thing. They're not alone. Um, that there are ways that we can navigate these experiences and move through it in a way where you can reclaim your life back from them, you know? Um, uh-huh. And and I just hope that people listening take those steps to get the support that they deserve because they're so worthy of it. And Dr. Alice, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Oh, I am so grateful to you and just so fortunate to to know you and to have you as a friend and a colleague. Um, so thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to hear when new episodes air. Looking for more support? I teamed up with a board-certified OBJN to bring you two e-courses for expecting and postpartum parents. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Thank you so much for inviting me into part of your day today. I'm so grateful, and I hope you have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.